0: Now that you found ubn radio and discovered our quality talk shows it's time to spread the word to friends family and the universe 24 hours of music and talk radio without limits that's why people keep coming back for more that's ubnradio.com
1: this is
2: one-on-one with jasper cole hollywood's bad guy and so much more
0: actor, talent manager, producer, and more. Now he's sitting down with today's top newsmakers from entertainment, politics, pop culture, and beyond. This is
1: One on One
0: with
2: All right, howdy, 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 and welcome to One on One with Jasper Cole. This is Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are coming to you live from Sunset Gower Studios right here in Hollywood, California. Uh, it's another Wednesday, and it means I have to give it a shout-out to my producer extraordinaire, Mr. John Williams. Hey, Jasper. JW, if you're nasty. <laughs> How are you?
3: I'm doing pretty good. I'm uh, trying to survive this heat. Oh, my God. Having. But I it guess there's it, there's a thunderstorm
2: going on right apparently now. Apparently, so. there's a big storm. Well, you know, I was in Palm Springs up until yesterday, and Palm Springs, which... Typically should be hot, of course. Uh Had like 30% humidity, which for Palm Springs is really hot because usually it's like 7% or something. So we are spritzing up in here. Although I think it was humid in L.A. today. Yeah, it has been. I can't Um, take the humidity. Look at my hair. It was over 100 degrees
3: yesterday. It's
2: just just crazy. I know. You know, it's like the the closer we get to fall, the hotter the temperatures get. It doesn't make any sense. I know, but we're such babies. (laughs) We've had a – you know what I mean? Everyone freaks out with the heat. I actually love heat if it's a dry heat. Uh So – Anyway, listen, speaking of heat, please go to, I'm not begging, but sort of, please follow (laughs) us on Twitter at one-on-one J. Cole, Facebook, one-on-one with Jasper Cole, and you can go to my website, jaspercole.com, and we have an icon for the show, Mm -hmm. and when you click on there, you can find our advertisers. We're now up to 24 affiliate Mm -hmm. advertisers, our newest one being hiltonhotels.com. Maybe we can get Paris to come on. Right? <laughs> so let me just tell you who they are interserver.com, EUKhost.com, AdamandEvetetoys.com, Sir La QuestBars.com, Booking.com, Flare.com, CheapAir.com. There's a lot of dot coms. You'll just assume there's dot com <laughs> after these. Advanced Auto Parts, Prime Slots, BullGuard, Guard, Course Smart, Canvas World, Three Day Blinds, Russell Stover Candies for all you non-diabetics. 21st Insurance, Fandango, Extended Stay America, SuzanneSommers.com, Bath and Beauty. We have to add Bath and Beauty because uh-huh. that's her specialty. Liberty Mutual Insurance, ZipRecruiter, Jewelry.com, Mindful.com, and as I said, our newest one, HiltonHotels.com. So welcome all aboard, right. Hilton, yeah. and to all of our sponsors and our advertisers. Thank you. And what you do is go to my host page mm-hmm. and again this is going to get shortened eventually yes. but it's www.ubnradio.com and go to shows and then just click go on to the show go find family. one-on-one and you'll <laughs> yeah. see all of the advertisers and when you find something you want to order or buy or book a reservation mm-hmm. when you click on there our uh, promo code is automatically embedded And everyone gets credit for it. So, yay! Yay. There you have it. Well, listen, there has been a lot in the news since last Wednesday. I don't know where to start. (laughs) I think we'll start with Praise Jesus and Kim Davis, Eye of the Tiger, I didn't they know were not happy saying.
3: about that. Let me tell you, I think there's they, a they just sued suit. Suit her. Today. Yes, yes. One, I
2: think uh, the band. Uh, Rightfully so. Who's the band? Rightfully so. Uh, who's the band? I can't remember. Anyway, Is it Survivor. Survivor. Yeah, yes, okay. and I should know that. That's from my from my eighties. Uh-huh. Um, but they are suing her. I think for one point two million for she had no permission to use their song. So yeah. Um, I just no matter what happens, I just love the fact they're suing her, whether it goes anywhere or not. I think that's great. Yeah. But again. I think it's amazing that Mike Huckabee carried his rather large ass there (laughs) and actually said that he would be willing he'd like to be president for the next eight years. But if that can't happen, he would gladly spend time in jail for eight years to protect what he calls religious freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing to me because I'm like, listen, the woman has a job to do. Did you also know I found this out sort of a family job, either her mom or dad had the job for 30 years before her. Yeah, She's now had it 27 years. And, of course, her, one of her sons is the deputy clerk, which means he's following in Mama's footsteps. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's a family business. And <laughs> this is her fourth marriage, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not sure which father is to this son. They look like the Clampetts. I'm from the South. <laughs> I can say that. Did you see the husband was in overalls and a I straw hat did. or something? Like a toothpick in his mav- oh. mouth, a dip of skull. I thought, Bubba, please.
3: Well, you know, they're comparing it to Wizard of Oz. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's almost like that he's Rockwell, that, that, that the... famous painting with the family and the pitchfork.
3: I think she's Dorothy. He's the scarecrow. She looks and, uh, like Kathy Bates uh, in Misery. Oh.
2: I I mean, you know, I'm sorry. I know we're all being shallow with her. But if you're going to put yourself out, li- out there like that, you know, clearly she doesn't have a gay friend. No, <laughs> Nobody would let her go out of the house looking like one of the du- Duggars. <laughs> Something from Big Love.
3: Jasper, she's apostolic. They have she, to dress that's even worse. Right. When I heard
2: apostolic, I was like, she, well, she's holy rolling in the damn aisles. You know, surprised <laughs> snakes aren't coming down the aisle. And again, Southern Baptists from the South. I can say whatever the hell I want. But highbrow, anyway, highbrow, highbrow. Highbrow. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise Jesus, Kim Davis. Uh. But, you know, she's thinking she's the Rosa Parks now of this uh, this movement. Yeah. So I don't know. The bottom line is she's they let her out on Tuesday yesterday because she um, said that. She, well, I don't know. The, the the stipulation was she's not allowed to do any marriages, but or gay marriages. But she's I, or no, she's suppo- I don't no, know, no, no, no.
3: She's she has to she has to follow the law.
2: And do it. But and she's she has, still saying she's not going to do anything. Any.
3: She's defined. Yeah, exactly. But thankfully, there's someone on our side.
2: Right. That
3: is um, following the law. <laughs> well, <you laughs> For know, lack of a better word, if, and doing his
2: job. I mean, I don't want to give her any compromise, but if we had to compromise, why can't she just keep her job and not do gay marriages? Can't some. There's there's he a clerk in there now who's been doing the exactly. the marriages. So yeah. hopefully that will happen. So God bless you, Kim Davis, and hopefully you'll get a makeover. Now, my <laughs> next story, which really pissed me off, is Caitlyn Jenner. Now, you know, J.W., I have been—we talked last week. I'm a big fan of that show, I yes. Am Kate. Right. I've been a big supporter of Caitlyn Jenner's. But she goes on The Ellen Show yesterday yes, and sort of announces that when Bruce was Bruce—and we know they're, he's a Republican— he was against gay marriage and, in fact, had a really hard time with it. Now, Caitlyn is saying that she hasn't quite come around with the issue either. And I was like, bitch, please, you know, you're sitting up here with a penis and breast and you're not even, you know, and you're asking people to accept you and to to love you. And, and you're going to be a spokesman for the trans community and you can't get on board with gay marriage. F you. I was really pissed. I I just thought, and then Ellen went on uh, Howard Stern and basically said how disappointed she was because how hypocritical that Mm -hmm. Caitlyn would sit there and have the audacity to be out there saying, please accept me for who I am. I'm sitting here in a dress. I'm not not even a full woman yet, according to having a surgery. And I know the trans community gets really upset about that, Mm -hmm. but this is where I draw the line. It's like, okay, Caitlyn, if you don't know what the hell you're talking about... Don't try to be a spokesperson for the community. Mm-hmm. Learn your shit before it you get. It is
3: LGBT for a reason. I mean, it's it is supposed inclusive. to be all. It con- exactly, yeah, I so. just thought
2: I'm done with her. Yeah. This was it, and I. It's too bad because. The show is so great because it's not great because of Caitlyn. It's great because of all the other transgendered women that are on men. Mm-hmm. Well, men and women. And I'm And bringing awareness to. Yes, yeah. Yes. But the more I watch it and realize she really is completely privileged and disconnected from the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, she still talks about you all and she doesn't say us and. You know, just stay up on your hilltop mansion in Malibu at this point. I I'm think just maybe over we her. should
3: shift the focus to Jazz, because Jazz is an excellent representative exactly. for the trans community. And she has a t- television on show. On TLC. Yeah.
2: Everyone should be watching. Let, jazz. Yeah, let's switch yeah. over. Let's start supporting I am Jazz yeah. and say to hell with Caitlyn Jenner. I think this is her. Well, I'll be watching anyway, this season finale, because <laughs> it's when it's when Chris... She sits down with Chris. They teased uh, it last week. I don't know if you saw it, but the very last five seconds is when Chris Jenner shows up. And this is so typical of a of a Kardashian, a Jenner. Well, a Kardashian. She, she first thing she looks at uh Caitlyn and says, I love your shoes. Hmm. It's like really? This is what we're gonna keep it on that level? Mm-hmm. Who does your nails and I love your shoes? It's so ridiculous. Yeah, let's
3: let's go back to jazz. Yes. I am jazz on TLC. Tell
2: everyone where they can yeah, find that. I will. And yeah. <laughs> If you find it, <laughs> since we're big fans, we are actually. No, I have watched a few episodes. No, of it, no, I, I have really, too.
3: I really. It is on TLC. You, and you Jazz is a
2: teenager, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. She's about fourteen, fifteen, somewhere in there. It's a great because it's really about. It's great to see a young person going mm-hmm. through this and her family supporting her and and how she's dealing with school and just everyday life as a young trans woman at right. as a teenager. So. Uh, check that out on TLC. And the other story, I guess, for me, is Hillary Clinton having to grovel and apologize finally about these e- emails, yeah. which I don't know how many times she has to... Well, she, I guess saying, you know, she has. I guess she has to say, I'm sorry. Right. She can't say... She started early in the week saying, I apologize. And now she had to sit down with David Muir from ABC News and just say, I'm really sorry. I didn't understand. I mean, I didn't think it was a big deal or whatever. So... I I don't know. Um, it scares me a little bit that her support, her, her ratings are down even more than they were. I know we're a long ways out to the election, but I just think it, it doesn't look good that she's slipping this far. I guess for Bernie Sanders fans, it's great because mm-hmm. Bernie is apparently soaring in the ratings and some of the polls, um, it, he's actually beating Hillary. Mm-hmm. So are you, I can't remember JW, are you a Bernie fan? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Elizabeth Warren fan. I am too. She was on the View yesterday. Oh, and the new beginning of the View, by the way, Joy Behar's fantastic. Welcome back. I love Joy and Michelle yeah. Collins, who's yeah. been on many, sh- has been on the uh, Alec uh, and Capernaum show. Mm-hmm. Sh- she's always fantastic. So big shout out to her. But yeah, so I love Elizabeth Warren. Of course, she won't say anything about whether she would, you know, jump on the ticket with Biden or jump in the race. But mm-hmm. I think she's fantastic. I do too. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think. I I don't know the thing that scares me about Bernie is I told you visually because he looks older I don't know if the young people will vote for him Mm -hmm. and which is shallow and too bad but it is a visual medium you know Um,
3: there's little he said that I disagree with.
2: Yeah, a, a Sanders-Warren ticket would be... It would be awesome. Really awesome, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then I want to give a little plug. A movie I, do, I have coming out called Captured. Okay. Uh, a new trailer just got released today. If you go to Facebook, it's uh, Captured the Movie. And everyone can check out the trailer. I play Shelley, the creepy groundskeeper. Ah. Um, and we did this movie quite a while ago. So it's been... And we did reshoots and additional footage. So... It's great to finally get it, see that it's going to be coming out. So look so forward to that. So it's
3: capturedthemovie.com?
2: It's on Facebook. Oh, okay. The Facebook page. Um, I don't think they have an actual website yet. Okay. If they do, I apologize. I don't know it. Um, I'm trying to find some of the
3: pictures and I'll put them in there.
2: Well, thank you. And I'm yeah. so excited about our guest today because um, with everything in the news about police corruption, police brutality, the rash of shootings, you know, sadly, it's such a hot topic right now. Um, we have retired LAPD Sergeant Cheryl Dorsey, and she's also an author. She has a wonderful book called The Creation of a Manifesto, Mm -hmm. Black and Blue, Um, 20-year veteran of the LAPD. Cheryl's one of the few people that has left the force and is willing to actually speak on the corruption within the force as she sees it, um, including racism and she's become quite the the person, the, the go-to person on this issue. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to be joined by Cheryl Dorsey, and we're going to get into all this, and also JW. Hopefully, people can call in and ask questions. Yes, give out the great. number if you don't mind. <laughs> okay. Three two three.
3: Yes, I'll give out the number. when We get back from
2: break. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I think it's three two three two eight four or something, but yeah, we'll get that out. That's yeah because yeah, I'd love to people I, I think this is the topic people want to talk about and mm-hmm. I'm sure they have questions for Cheryl so you are listening and watching 101 with Jasper Cole and we will be right back bye bye oh, 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 oh,
4: hope the wound hails but it never does that's cause you at war with love you at war with love
0: these yeah. better don't look like they're fading don't look like they're
4: Never let a wound ruin me, but I feel like ruins wooing ruin me. Arrow holes that never close from Cupid on a shooting spree, feeling stupid because I know it ain't no you and me. But when you're trying to beat the odds up and trying to keep your nods up, and you know that you should know and let it go. But the fear of the unknown, hone another lover's phone send you back into the zone. With no Tom Hanks to bring you home, another not a fighter on the front line with a pawn. Trying to write yourself a rifle Maybe shopping up a song To fight the tanks and drones And you being be in the I wish I never lived,
0: I wish I never touched I wish that I could stop loving you so much Cause I'm the only one that's trying to keep us together When all of us say that I should forget her I wish you were the best The best I ever had I wish that the good outweighed the bad Cause it'll never be over Until you tell me it's over These
4: it and i hope you never come back it shouldn't have happened but you let it now you're down on the ground screaming medic the only thing that comes is the post-traumatic stresses shields body armors and vests don't properly work that's why you're in a locker full of hurt. The enemy within and all the fires from your friends, the best medicines
0: to probably just let it I win. I wish I could love, I wish that I could stop cause it hurts so, so much. And I'm the only one that's trying to keep us together, yeah. when all of the signs say that I should forget her. Yeah. I wish you were the best, best, best I ever had, hey. I wish that the good outplayed the bad, uh-huh. cause it'll never be over, it'll never be over. I'm
4: That's because you at war with love
2: One on one with Jasper Cole. All right. Welcome back to one on one with Jasper Cole. And we're so honored to welcome today's featured guest, uh, Miss Cheryl Dorsey. Welcome welcome to the show. How are Hi, you? Jasper, I'm great. Thank thanks. you so much for doing this.
5: Excited to be here.
2: Well, and I uh, please welcome also producer extraordinaire Dominic Friesen. Love, love. Dominic always has great Come questions. Into the light, Come <laughs> into the light. It's like poltergeist. <laughs> Come into the light. Well, c- first of all, congratulations on your book. Thank you. The creation of a manifesto black and blue. Um it's it's amazing because as being uh, an African-American female police officer, your perspective of is very unique, having been in the, over 20 years retired, right? Yes. Uh, so I think you started in 1980, but actually in 1978 you began your career. What position was that?
5: I was working for the Department of Justice. Uh, I was a stenographer. Okay. And that kind of piqued my interest in law enforcement. I had an opportunity to do a sting. Uh, because, you know, PCP was very prevalent back at that time, right. and they needed a black female to lure this drug so you're an dealer. So you are an actress. Yeah. Get to, Christy yeah. Love. <laughs> <laughs> so they had me uh, lure this drug dealer, and, and I thought, wow, this was fun. You guys get paid to do this? And were you afraid I all? want in. I mean, Not were you, at you all. worried about Not it? Not at all.
2: So no. you already had a—my question was going to be, did you have an interest— in law enforcement? Not at all. And to, you just, that was a job, and you got it, and then this this opportunity kind of... Yeah, I never so. wanted
5: to be the police, because understand, I grew up in South Central Los Angeles, I right? I know, I wanted to talk about that. Yeah, so... And
2: you actually grew up there when at a time when it was predominantly white, is that correct?
5: Yeah, my parents, and I talk about this in my autobiography, my parents were the first blacks. To move out on Ninety Fourth Street, and my mom, as a little girl, used to always joke about. She called it a circus environment on the weekends because there were so many open house oh, sales, and oh. they had the flags <laughs> in the yard, and oh you know people God. were coming through because they wanted nothing to do with this black family that had just moved oh in. My, God. my mom and dad, yeah, wow, white flight.
2: Because I think a lot of people. I've been here thirty years. I think I don't think a lot of people realize that. You yeah. know, South Central has always just had this. Reputation of being African-American. America. Yeah. So I, when I read that, I was really.
5: Yeah. And back then, it was not referred to as South, as South Central, right? Right. So when I grew up on 94th and Western, uh, it was just Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Right.
2: So when did that change? I mean, it started in the 80s? I'd say
5: probably late 70s. Late 70s? Yeah, it started to change with the uh, proliferation of gangs. Gangs, that's what I was going to ask
2: you about. Yeah. Yeah. So I digress. Sorry, but I wanted... So when you got into... You did the sting operation, and from that you ended up going into the police academy? Yeah, what
5: happened was I thought that I wanted to be post-certified, which is what you needed to be in order to be a peace officer. Okay. And so my mindset was to join the first police agency that I could, go there, do a year, get my post-certificate, and then lateral back to Department of Justice as a special agent. That was my mindset. Okay.
2: Okay. So when, how was the police academy, first of all? being was, a, It was
5: very difficult because I'm not a jock. Right, oh, right, and it's physically uh, hard. yeah, it was very it's physical. like boot camp for military. absolutely, absolutely because LAPD was quasi military at the time and right. they ran it like a boot camp. But when I came on in 1980, there was a consent decree to hire more women and minorities. Okay, and so what the department did is they created a physical fitness class that they would give two times a week for the pre-recruit candidates to come down and try to get in the best physical best shape. shape you could. And so I took advantage of that mm-hmm. so that I could try to get. But, you know, it's just like in the military, I would assume that you're not going to be able to do the things that they task you with because right. their thing is to break you down. Break you down. Mentally, Mentally physically, physically. Right. And then, you know, build you up. Right. Make you better, stronger, <laughs> whatever. What well, did
2: you? How many women were in your class? Do you remember? I mean, yeah, I
5: do. Uh, our class was unique because, again, we had a consent decree. Th- right. It was 50-50. We had oh. 20 women. Oh, wow. 20 guys, wow. and that was the first class where they had so many females at one time, so we were very unique. We had officers who would come to the police academy just to see our academy class. I mean, we were like a science project, <laughs> like a, right?
2: Everyone <laughs> dropping by. Right. They wanted yeah.
5: to look at us, and wow. Yeah, wow. it was crazy. And
2: then did everyone <laughs> graduate? I mean- no,
5: yeah, no, because there is an attrition. That's yeah. What I and figuring. so um, I think out of the 40 we graduated 28. Okay. 28 people graduated. People dropped and right. dropped for out for various reasons. Right.
1: And, and what what was the I guess the reaction within the department for for example for females being
2: And did race and, play into it? Was that a different factor? You know. Yeah, it
5: did, because understand, in 1980, uh, they did not want anybody that looked like me uh-huh. on the police department. Really, they didn't. Uh, and they didn't want anybody that had a a, a mind like mine, which right. was, I, I, I never, I say I never bled yes. blue. questions? I never bled blue. You know, it was just a job. I didn't right. grow up wanting to be the police. Right. I just needed a good-paying job with benefits, right? Right, right. And so that was my mindset. And so if you come on that job and you don't bleed blue and you don't need it like they need it, then they act like some wrong Tell people wrong what bleeding
2: you. blue means. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I know, but yeah. For me,
5: it, it means that you buy into the system mm. lock, stock, and barrel, that mm-hmm. you believe everything. They tell you that you are mindless. Mm. For me, that's what it means. You're mm-hmm. mindless. Right. Drink yeah. the Kool-Aid. Absolutely.
2: And that means overlook corruption, overlook anything that's happening. Absolutely,
5: because it's a very big deal, not only on the LAPD. This is not unique to LAPD law enforcement. Your partner wants to know that you quote back them, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that means that you're gonna be down with whatever it is they're doing, good, bad, or indifferent. And they te-
2: they sort of teach this. They don't teach it but to you, but you know you it. You get it. Mm-hmm. You okay. get it.
5: Yeah. yeah. It's an like unspoken rule. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And
2: they pick the wrong one with you, right? Because well, you know what? I
5: did what I had to do to survive, right? right? And right. so when I was a young recruit, I did what all young recruits we do do. I'm like a child. You're seen and not heard. Right. When mm-hmm. I was a probationary officer and. Southwest Division on Martin Luther King and Dinker, I was like a child. I was seen and not heard. I needed to get off probation. I needed to get vested.
2: Well, you were young also.
5: Yeah, I was 22 when I came on. Wow. Yeah. Just a bait. I mean, when yeah. you
2: think about 22 mm-hmm. now, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, well, so how did, what happened? You, you've you gone through many, divi- you worked your way up to sergeant, but along the way you had held many different positions. But did you know, so did you start noticing the alleged corruption in various forms from the beginning, or what was your first big run in with it what I Where you knew, couldn't ignore it anymore, I guess well,
5: what I knew very early on in the police academy as I was introduced to i'll just say the isms okay, the sexism, mm-hmm. the racism, mm-hmm. right, the reverse racism. Mm-hmm. I learned that very early on, right, and so for me, I had to play a mind game. I had to do whatever it was to get me through that moment, so For PT, we had two hours a day, and it was very intense. And so I just figured for two hours a day, they're going to torture me. I just need to do what I can do to get through that. When I graduated and went to the police um, station on King and Dinker, I knew that I had 12 months to get off probation. And so whatever they're going to throw at me, you know, and I had heard that, you know, partners like to play games with you. They would drive and pull over real quick and ask you, where are you? You know, and you got to know what street you're on, you know, or they would get in a fight. You know, we used to fight a lot. I, I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm from the hood. And let's do this. <laughs> right. Throw down. Yeah. And so they would get in fights. Not to, not that they're going to let you get hurt. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. They're but you. they want to see if you're going to fight. They want to see if you're going to back your partner because backing your partner is everything. Over everything. Everything. Mm-hmm.
2: Would Do they put two females together or is it mostly male females? No, they will. They yeah. will.
5: But back then there weren't many women. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so just luck of the draw. You know, I would get my partners, my training officers were males. Right. Uh, Luck of the draw, my training officers were white males. Okay. Um, There were some black males that worked in the division that I went to as a probationary officer, but I didn't get lucky enough, if you will, to work with one, right. you know, for whatever reason, they never partnered me with them. But you know what? I'll say this about the white officers that I did work with. Um, they were what you would call hard chargers. You know, they were. Can I curse?
2: Oh, hell yeah. They it's, were
5: it's They were kick ass to take ass. names yeah. back in the day. Right. right. And I worked in the jungle. Right. So right. for those who understand what that area is like in uh, 1980, 81, 82, we had a problem with FOI because. Mm. Food of Islam soldiers lived in the jungle, wow. and we were having skirmishes with them all the time. And so mm-hmm. I felt like it was a constant test and a challenge for me to see how I'm going to handle this situation, how I'm going to handle that situation. We would, my, your partner would hear a hot shot radio call, mm-hmm. a high priority radio call, and and it may not be in your area, but they would buy it. In other words, they would tell the communications, "We'll handle."
2: Uh, they sort of take over because they
5: want to see what I'm going to do when we get there. If it's a PCP suspect and it's not in our area, my partners would buy it to see what am I going to do when I get there, and there's a naked man, slippery and greasy like a pig, and he just wants to fight. Just fight. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, today they just shoot him.
5: Yeah, today they shoot him. I Absolutely. Mean, so,
2: And that brings me to the point I was going to ask you. Even back looking in the early 80s compared to now, what do you believe has attributed to this? It seems like a culture of brutality— amongst cops like this this need to just shoot without you know what I mean was it always maybe we just didn't have 24-hour news and we didn't hear about it
5: yeah we didn't have obviously the advent of the cell phone right right? so you don't have people recording right right? that wasn't Mm -hmm. until Rodney King but truthfully you know this has always gone on this is nothing new Mm -hmm. you know back then you would just somebody would just get their ass handed to them and you know they call it beat and release right you just you, you say something wrong back then, we could just choke you out. If I come on a oh radio God. call and you say something crazy to me and I don't like it, I'm putting you in a shoulder spin, spinning you around, choking you out, sitting you down. Good night. Bye-bye. And then we leave.
2: And I don't even ba- have to
5: arrest you. <laughs> you know, I just leave.
1: And then everyone backs everyone up on Absolutely. What, what happened. Absolutely.
5: It, 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 that reminds me a
1: lot of the movie Rampart, speaking of right, which, right. Um, right. which we, we worked on, and I, I mean, we—I lived here during that scandal, and I think that that was the beginning of the climate. When, pe- I mean, I remember we were all scared of the cops. And after that, that scandal broke, that was over a hundred officers, I believe, that were indicted. Were indicted. But and that's, kind of that's just a
2: hundred, right? That right, right. they got. That they I got. How many probably yeah. b- slipped through? Or and
5: and then I think the difference between now and then is that officers, you know, and if, if that's a good thing, <laughs> they could just beat you up and leave you. But <laughs> choke but you out you, is but what I you like. Lived, right? right? You lived. Right. Yeah. And so you know now it's gotten to the point where force deadly force Mm -hmm. has always been taught as a last Last. resort Mm -hmm. now we're seeing it as a first First resort resort. officers don't like what you say they don't like the way you look at them they don't like what they deem as disrespect they just shoot you and kill you you. right and then it's only one version unless you happen to have somebody standing on the side with a cell phone right Mm -hmm. who can videotape that and then we can see the real right right but But in the past it's always been the officer's account and and Great deference is given to what police officers say, so no one challenges. Right. Them. like
2: even in Ferguson, you know, when they actually do the investigations, mm-hmm. and they, and even when the DA co- gets involved, I never trust that that's even happening. I have a real suspicious of the legal system in general. Mm-hmm. More, I, I'm more suspicious of the legal system than the police force, to be honest. But I just always figure that's just another bullshit like investigation that's not gonna like in Ferguson they let the guy off without charges.
5: Well, you know, there were so many things wrong with that Ferguson situation because we understand that the district attorney, Bob McCullough, right? Right. Um, Well, we know that his dad was killed by an Mm African-American individual. Uh, He obviously seems to have some kind of bias towards blacks and not Mm -hmm. in a good way because he stacked that jury with what we know now to be racist individuals, right? right? And so everything was set up Mm -hmm. for that system to work the way that it worked. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you have police departments who are in bed with prosecuting attorneys You know, I deal with attorneys every day. I see you all the time. You're my guy, right? Mm -hmm. So when I come in with any kind of report, you're not going to question me because you know me and I know you. Right. Right.
1: Right. And, and you, you're you telling me earlier in the green room, in regard to the Sandra Bland case, that it was probably the officers, the arresting officers, and their relationship with the jailers. Can you
5: I what I said what, I said? what I said is officers have a symbiotic relationship with the jailers mm-hmm. because as a police officer, I'm making arrests three, four times a week. That means I'm in the jail three, four times a week, booking a body. You're the jailer. I know you. You know me. I'm your girl. It's like any
2: job. You right. get to know the people. So
5: when I come in with an arrestee who's giving me a hard time and I tag you and now she's yours, if she's offended me, she's offended, offended you. you. Right? God. Oh, wow. And so I believe that, that those jailers just finished what that officer started in the field. Wow. And so when you look at all of the relationships, to me, they're all symbiotic. And I don't know if you know this. I read this, so I believe it to be true, is that the person who did the autopsy on Sandra Bland, the medical examiner. Was mm-hmm. the wife. Is the wife of oh my God. the prosecutor? You know what? Who, who it's knew? Like, mm-hmm.
2: It's just ridiculous. <laughs> who knew? Well, do it, do have you? What kind of backlash did you get initially for, you know, speaking out? I guess. And and when you well, you had your own investigate. You went through your own situation with the LAPD. You want to speak on that? What happened in terms of? What's it called? uh, Uh, Board of Rights. Board of Rights Um, process. So
5: what happened was, so let me say this real quick. So I wrote my book because of Christopher Dorner. Right. I wanted people to understand how he got there. Mm -hmm. I don't condone what he did. I don't agree with what he did. But I know how the LAPD will grind you down and wear you down. Mm -hmm. I had been to a Board of Rights. And what it is, it's a kangaroo court. (laughs) They have no rules and no regulations. And they change the rules and regulations from moment to moment. They decide what's relevant. They decide what can be heard. They decide Who can be heard? And so if you get sent to a board of rights, the understanding is that the police chief is not happy with you. And he wants you dealt with in a real way. You only get sent to a board of rights if termination is a possibility. I was sent to a board of rights with, at that time I had 18 years on the department. When I came on the department, I came on with the knowledge that if I lose my job before I hit 20 years, that golden mark, I don't get a retirement I just get to go. All the money that I've paid into my pension, I lose. Mm. And so it's almost like the police department has a real incentive to get get you, you if they can, before you hit 20 years, right, Mm -hmm. for the old timers, for people who came under the pension plan that I came under. So in 18 years on the job, the department sent me to a board of rights because I was married to a police officer who was abusive. And I had children with this Mm -hmm. man, so I would not tell all of what was going on because I'm still living with him, and I've got children by him. And even when I made up my mind to separate myself from that situation, I still had to do it in a way that made sense for me and my children, Mm -hmm. right? Protect them. And so they sent me to a board of rights when they became aware of the domestic violence in my home. What the department did was they went after my husband for the abuse. They did. They sent him to a board of rights. They had a black advocate who is a sergeant in internal affairs act as the prosecutor against my husband. Two weeks later, this same advocate is now prosecuting me. During my husband's board of rights, he portrayed me as a victim. During my board of rights, he said, I'm a liar. He said that I can't be trusted. He said that not a a mother in the cosmos would stay in a relationship like the one that I had described being in. And he thought that because I was a sergeant married to a police officer, I should be able to go home and give him direct orders and make him behave. So the department was trying to fire me. And with 18 years on the job, all I could think of is if they fire me, I lose lose everything. At this point, I'm a high school grad only. I've got 18 years as a police officer. I've done nothing else in my young life, right? Uh, Which should be a good thing. I'm a mother of four now. I'm in the process of a divorce. And I'm thinking, if I lose this job, I lose everything. And for a moment, as I stood outside and waited for them to come back with their decision, I thought about jumping off the third rail Mm. of the Bradbury Building in downtown Los Angeles because my mindset was, if I kill myself my children will at least get my get insurance insurance
2: money. They'll mm. at least
5: be taken care of. And so I understand how that department can make you think Grind about you doing down. things that are out of your character, that's not you, right? I'm not a suicidal person, but I thought if I lose my job, what mm-hmm. the heck, mm-hmm. right?
2: Right. So w- with Christopher Dorna, is like that's your point. I mean, we didn't even know so if if it, if it takes a someone who doesn't have mental issues like you did not have. Take someone that has some sort of mental issue and then push it that far. And you we know don't what? know that he did. I, I actually. don't
5: I, I will say this and I don't know him. But I don't believe he was mental. Right. I believe he was pushed. Christian. And I believe that the department had taken everything from him like the department will do to you mm-hmm. because they want you to continue to feed at the trough. And if they, if they feel like you think you can survive without them, they will tap you on the shoulder and they will explain to you how that can't happen. And one of the things I talk about in my book is I talk about a gentleman by the name of Fred Nichols because I say Fred Nichols was Christopher Dorner before Christopher before. Dorner. He was a black man, a sergeant of police, an expert. Department spokesperson on use of force, Fred Nichols testified at the Rodney King trial that the force the officers used was excessive because he was under oath and he told the truth. And when he did that, the department came after him. And what I talk about in my book is Fred Nichols bled blue. So when the department came after him, he couldn't believe. He's like, what the what? You know, I'm doing my job. I'm telling the truth. I'm being honest. You know, come on. I'm I'm one of you. What's up? And he talks about um, how he couldn't eat how he couldn't sleep how he was vomiting and From how he was so bothered and... by the way the department turned on him mm-hmm. and so what i say in my book is that fred nichols didn't create a manifesto right. he didn't he didn't go out and hurt anybody fred nichols checked himself into a hotel he put a shotgun to his head and he blew it off and did that, that's what and LAPD did the press does cover to you. that yeah, they covered little, it. Yeah. They covered it, but you covered know, it was it minimized. Right. It was, you know, it was it, you know, th- because they're good at victim blaming, That's right? What I mean. yeah. yeah, so they they want to say you're crazy. They want right. to say you were unfit all along. You should have never been. No, the department will wind you down, you down, grind you down. They have the resources, the financial wherewithal. They beat you up. up.
2: And so, but you were victorious and saved. "Thank y- God." So, we're, we're When they came back in with that verdict that day, were you floored? Were you surprised? I
5: I wasn't sure what was going to happen, but the thing that saved me, and I talk again about this in my book, is I I had a commander who was the only person that was willing to come and testify to my character. Mm. I asked him to come and be a character whip because that might mitigate the penalty. This was a white man. I couldn't get a black police officer to come and say come anything on my behalf. Right. You know, Right. I asked a black commander and he told me, forget you know me. Wow. I asked this white man if he would come and be a character with and he just wanted to know what time you need me there. See. But because of who he was uh-huh. on the department and his name is James Tatro, rest in peace, he's no longer here with us he testified and he told that deputy chief on my board of rights that you have reached too far into the Dorsey bedroom. What are you doing? Wow. And because of him and him alone, I stand witness that they would have fired me, but for commander James Tatro. Wow. And so what happened at the very end is they listened to him speak. They came back and the commander looked at me and he said to me, and I'll never forget. He said on this one day for this one instance, I see a need for mercy. And I'm going to suspend you for five days without pay, Sergeant. You were the victim of domestic violence, but I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to suspend you for five days without pay, and that's what they did. And I just said, "Thank you, Jesus. I just need to hold on white knuckle for 18 and months, divorce. and then I'm good Ow. with LAPD."
2: And <laughs> so, how were those next 18 months? Was it pretty calm? No one bothered you, or no, did you not, have no? It
5: was, <laughs> nothing's, nothing's calm. <laughs> I on know, LAPD. I didn't know if it escalated or. Well, you know what happened is it, it was okay for a minute, and then I had a commanding officer who was sexually harassing me. Mm. But I was very near the end, mm-hmm. and. And, you know, God is good. I was driving down the street one day in my patrol car, and a a, a gentleman rear-ended me in my patrol car. you choke him out. And so when he rear-ended me in my patrol car, and the paramedics came out to interview him and deal with his medical condition, and, you know, I was rear-ended, so, of course, I had some situations that I needed medical attention for. And so I told the the fireman, I said, you know, my back is hurting. My neck is hurting. Uh, This guy just slammed into the back of my car. And he said to me, don't move. He said, we're going to give you the same treatment we give every citizen of the city of Los Angeles. And he laid me out on that board and he tied me up like a Christmas turkey. (laughs) (laughs) And then the doctor put me off work for about like 4 months mm-hmm. because of the injuries that I sustained right. in that rear-end collision right. and you. that took me right up to day we'll see the last day of my career. Thank yeah.
2: God for the rear ending, right? Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. So when you left, did you start speaking out no, you waited. It was you. You just waited. Right. I didn't
5: say anything because I didn't have anything to say. And, you know, what I did initially was I started looking for other jobs because right. I was still fairly Very young. young. yeah. And so I thought, well, I'll go have another career because that was my mindset when I realized that I I didn't believe blue and I was only going to do 20 years. And then I wanted to go have another life. And so I started interviewing for other positions. And what I found out was that I couldn't get a job anywhere. And mm. I'm like, are you kidding me? I was a sergeant of police on the Los Angeles Police Department. 20 years, honorably retired, and I tried to get a job with CDC, Department mm-hmm, of Corrections, right. working mm-hmm. in the jail. I figured clearly I'm qualified Quali- to yeah. say, you know, open tier three, close tier three, right? <laughs> I could not get hired. And I, and, and I didn't realize at the time that I couldn't get hired because I had sued the city of Los Angeles for that sexual harassment that happened in that last year of my mm. um tenure on the right. department mm-hmm. and so I can't prove that but I well, just find it telling that I couldn't get a job yeah, right that and so it. that's what LAPD does to you yeah that, that's that's what they probably did to Christopher Dorner and mm-hmm. so I believe that on that Friday before he went into that mm-hmm. killing mm-hmm. spree uh, the military had released him right. now I don't know why the military released him but I'm just guessing that on that day when they released him and he figured I've got nothing else nothing. I've got Rock nothing bottom. to live for yeah. why am I here right. mm-hmm. But I'm going to hurt some people on the way Mm -hmm. out, which, again, I don't condone. No, but but I I know how he got there. Right.
2: And no one, the LAPD doesn't take any Mm -hmm. responsibility. Of course, they
5: say he's crazy. He was ill fit. He should have never been a police officer. But see, here's what people don't understand about the Los Angeles Police Department and probably any other police department. If you work for Sparklets and they fire you and you go get a job at Home Depot, Sparklets like have at it. Good for you. If you work for LAPD and you get fired. Yeah. If you work for LAPD and you get asked to go, you don't get You're a dying. job anywhere else.
2: You know, when you were talking about it's sort of like corporate America does that now with wanting people to reti- getting people to retire mm-hmm. before as they get close. It's happened to my dad, too, but it's just systemic. But you think in the police force, it's such an honorable position that that wouldn't be the case. But there, there, you could actually work. 30 years, right? I mean, there are people that work much longer. Absolutely.
5: I mean, I have contemporaries who are still there, right? right? I know people that are just now starting to retire. Had I stayed on the department, I would have 35 years. But statistics show the longer you stay because of the stress of the job, Mm -hmm. the less longer you are to live on the other side. And so for me, it was more important that I have longevity when I get out of there, right? And so I've been retired honorably now for 15 years, right? So.
2: Well, so back to this rash of brutality that we're seeing in Baltimore and New York and uh, Houston and all the cases we talked about. Um, What do you I mean, we talked a little bit about there's there's cell phones now or whatever. But this whole attitude of it used to be shooting was the last resort. Now it's the first is why isn't why isn't someone do, changing that in the training, or what do you think the reason for that is?
5: Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, in my opinion, because a lot of this is uh, driven by male police officers, mm-hmm. so I think really what happens is I think because of the testosterone thing that goes on with you guys, right, it's like two rams, right? Yeah. And so it's like a test of wills, the king. right? yeah. And so I think a lot of what we're seeing has very little to do with overcoming resistance. It has very little to do with controlling a combative sus suspect. And it has everything to do with punishment. Right. I think officers get personally involved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When I tell you to get out of the street like Darren Wilson did, Mike Brown, and I'm sure he was insolent and took his time swaggering out of the street, much like Sandra Bland did when the officer asked her are you okay and she's like hell no I'm not okay you just wrote me a ticket no I'm not good I'll uh, get out the car get now out the car much like Ray Tensing did with Sam DeBose when Sam said oh you know <laughs> this is getting crazy right. I think I'm gonna just drive, drive off, off and, and he, he shoots sh- him right? right it's punishment he
2: claims he was being run over yeah so. it's
5: punishment right. much like Michael Schlager did with Walter Scott, when mm. he took off running and Michael Schlager didn't have enough juice in his engine to catch him, right? Right. And so, and so you instead shoot instead somebody. Shoot, yeah, yet,
2: I'm in the back. I'm tired, right. so I'll just shoot you. Yeah, you, you just <laughs>
5: shoot him. And so understand that when all of these things have occurred, what I say all the time, and I haven't been proven wrong, they don't let me down, is this is not the first time this officer did that. Right. There's always There's a pattern, history. But it's, it's been pattern. covered right, up. Right, and right. And so when we look at uh, Walter uh, Scott incident, Michael Schlager, Walter Scott was the third person that we know of that he tased, right? He had tased two other gentlemen before that. We know that uh, Darren Wilson had been fired by Jennings Police Department before he was hired by Ferguson Police Department because he was ill-suited. We know that Tim Lohman had been asked to leave um, Independence Police Department before Cleveland PD picked him up because they said he scares even us. Right. And so they live to offend again. again. And there's and, and, no accountability. And no
2: one's checking their history when they get hired or it doesn't matter. It up or, or, they, or they
5: or they do. And, you know, it's all good because what I believe is I believe that police chiefs and commissioners and sheriffs have an obligation to that entity. Mm -hmm. And so they protect that department. Mm -hmm. And if in so doing, the officer benefits, okay, good. It really wasn't about you, Officer Lohman. It was really about the police department. Because we understand when you do bad things, we're going to have to pay money. But if we admit that we did something wrong, we would pay a whole lot more than what we're ultimately settling for. And Mm -hmm. so we understand right now with Freddie Gray, they offered that family Mm 6.4. You know, who's surprised by that? Who's surprised by that? We know that in time, they're going to offer money to the Sandra Bland family. Mm -hmm. We know that in Time, uh, New York PD will offer money to the family of Akai Gurley, I a young they, man they who, is, have, who was who yeah, was shot in yeah. the stairwell, much like they offered to Eric Garner's family.
2: Uh, that's who I'm thinking. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. So
5: this is just the cost of doing business, killing folks and having to pay is just the cost of but doing ultimately business. Ultimately, it's
2: the taxpayers, right, who, who pay for it.
5: Absolutely. And so, wouldn't it be amazing if they started making police officers who are involved in these? Deadly force incidents, these in custody deaths, just pay a little bit of that yeah. if you just mm-hmm. had to pay one point something of of a six point four that would break the break back the ba- yeah. of an average police officer, and this stuff would stop yesterday well,
2: and you- you know you wonder how many settlements happen that we don't know about well, i don't I, know in terms of the twenty years you were there that. Maybe didn't make the news. You know,
5: when it's outrageous like Eric Garner and and things like that, we hear about it. But generally, they have something built in where when the city settles with you, you sign uh, Mm -hmm. a stipulation that you won't discuss it.
2: Confidentiality.
5: Absolutely. Sure.
3: are there any mental health assessments that go on while you're in training or while you're in the force?
5: Only when you first come on. And that's another thing that I think should happen is that police officers are given a psychological evaluation Upon entry and Mm -hmm. you have to pass it to become a police officer. But once you're in, you're good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think really police officers should be Mm reevaluated, I say, every three years. I agree. Right. Because I believe that police officers are exposed to things that could twist you, that Mm -hmm. could jade Mm -hmm. you, that could Mm -hmm. cause you to have biases, whether it's stuff you see or whether it's stuff you're taught. By your trainer, because as a rookie officer, we want to be pleasing to our trainer. Right. He holds my life in his hand. If I want to get off probation, I'm going to do everything he say, right. right? I'm going to do everything he shows me because police officer trainers tell you, but get what you learned in the academy. Let me show you how it's done out here uh, in the street for um, yeah, real. Like
2: learning one thing in the classroom and then on the job is right. another thing. Do you think having more female cops helps? I always have this theory like if, if more women ran the world, it wouldn't be as corrupt. Well I think or as violent. You were talking about the testosterone. Right, right, right.
5: Know. I think certainly women bring a different element mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the game, right? Because as a female mm-hmm. officer, I understand if I walk into a family dispute and I see you looking like you looking, I can't beat you up. Right? You could, actually. (laughs) So I'm not going to come in the room telling you I'm going to tear your head off and shit down your throat. (laughs) Right? Right. right. I'm going to have to use something else to get you to comply. Now, Mm -hmm. if I have to use charm, if I have to bat my eyes, if I have to have you think I'm cute, right? Right. Right. Then I do all that. Right. Because at the end of the day, I just want you to come with me. Right. Right? Do
2: they talk about that? And please see, I think... That's my because point. If, see,
5: that's common sense, right? Right. And if mm-hmm. sense were common, everybody would have it, right? Right. And you can't teach it, no. right? And neither. you can't teach empathy because as a mother, mm-hmm. when I deal with someone, you could be my brother. Right. You could be my son. So I'm going to treat mm-hmm. you the way I want a police officer to treat any one of my sons if you encounter them. Right. Right? That's just me. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can't teach that. You can't read that in a book. And so if I don't look at you and see you as a human being...
2: That's no, then that's, it's
5: easy for me to objectify you. It's easy for me to knock you in the head with a flashlight. Right. Put a, a Newton turban on you. That's what we used to call it when I worked Newton Division. What is that? Uh, is a uh, when you beat somebody up and then you wind up wrapping gauze around their head because oh. you cracked them in the head with a <laughs> oh, a flashlight, oh, so they wind up with a this. Newton turban. Yeah, speaking,
1: so, speaking of which. What are some of your tips for how the listeners can actually protect protect themselves themselves and keep themselves alive? So here's what you need to do. First of all, you need
5: to comply. You need to just do what the officer says. You Mm -hmm. need to be a good witness. You need to look at his name. You don't have to ask him. You don't have to telegraph that you might complain. Look at his name. He's wearing it. Get the number off his car. And just very nicely ask him, could you please call a supervisor? Because I'm not feeling comfortable Mm -hmm. here. Officers are required to do that. Mm -hmm. No guarantee that he will. But they're required to do that. And then the other thing that I suggest is know a couple of two three police station telephone numbers have it pre-dialed into your phone so if the officer is not That's cooperating great. with you in getting a supervisor you can get on the phone and dial and ask to speak to the watch commander okay In
1: mm-hmm. question for you we actually had a guest um, Tony Terry, uh, the R&B artist, he was pulled over f- about two months ago, 3 in o'clock la- in, the in the morning. morning to- they said he had dead dead tags, which he knew was was not right. So he actually called 911. He had 911 on the line. He told the officer. and the whole- Here's an
2: African-American man and probably a very nice car, I'm mm-hmm. assuming. You know, the whole yeah. stereotypical profile. 911
5: is good, but when you call 911, you're going to get a dispatcher. You're going to get a civilian. Right. You need to have the telephone number to the, the police, police station. station. Okay. And yeah. you need to ask for the watch commander because that's going to be a sergeant or a lieutenant. Right. You need a person in position of authority.
2: Right, well, is, is, so th- that's what I've said and when we'll, I've watched these videos. I'm, I mean, it's easy for me to say I'm not in, but I always thought, well, just, just do what they're asking. Absolutely. Sometimes we, though, can you can do we that. The G, is,
1: like, go back to like the Sandra Bland case. Mm-hmm. What did she do wrong in, in the video that we saw? She
5: talked too much. Yeah. Okay. She did herself no what favors. What about like, the
1: whole cigarette situation? Yeah.
5: But as soon as she, listen, here's the thing: you never know who you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the problem. You don't know what you just pulled out of that cop. Grab bag. Right. So when you you should be able to discern very quickly you got a wild one, and when you realize you got a fool, then you need to just shut up. Right. When he said, "Okay, put the cigarette out and get out, out," she should have just no more. Right. I'm done talking to you. Let him do whatever he's going to do because he's going to do it. Right. And you can't win. Right. Right. That's the so, point. You can't. You win. cannot win. That's the best point. Cannot of all. win. Yeah. So That's yeah, just point. be quiet. Be a good wit. Be comply. a good advocate. Comply. Comply. And in that video. And edit, and edit and, and write a letter of complaint. Okay, write a letter of complaint and send it to the police chief, the police commissioner, the mayor, the governor, the you name news, it.
2: News crew and, and, any- and
5: CC everybody so everybody knows. Who all got a copy of that letter? Because somebody's going to act on it.
2: Right. Okay. Oh my God, the time flies. We need, to, we we need to have a back. Hours. So tell everyone uh, where they can find the book. Is it on your it's website? You yeah, can uh, find dorsey. my book
5: on Amazon. It's uh, The Creation of Manifesto, Black and Blue. You can certainly find it on my website, CherylDorsey.net. Net. I'm on Facebook, and I'm also on Twitter, S-G-T, Cheryl dorsey.
2: Well, it is a great honor to so have glad you to be here. here. God, you. I, wish I, all, go on and on. I wish all police officers were like her, right? <laughs> thank you so much. Come thank back you. anytime. Thank Love you, to. Dominic. JW, thank you so much. And thanks, thank you, everyone, Sharon. for tuning in. And we'll be back next week with another great show. You've been listening and watching one on one with Jasper Cole. Take care.
1: Thanks for checking out One on One with Jasper Cole. Check
2: out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.